Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 47. Today we're going to be talking about things like Buddha's hands and yuzu and finger limes and 23 million year old volcanoes and marijuana all on the same farm. Amazing. But first of all, I need to tell you about the amazing Chef Notepad. You can store your recipes, cost your recipes. You got them for life. If you're a restaurateur or a chef, it's a definite must-have, as important as a knife. Uh, check that out. It is really, really cool. Suncoast Fresh also has their new ordering app. It's got beautiful pictures and newsletters to inspire you, and it's got you can put your order in anywhere, anytime and create your own pantry list. Check that out at suncoastfresh.com.au to download that and get it. It is awesome. But today, Mr. Buck, Jared is his real name, but he is from Buck's Farm. Let's get into talking to him about this marijuana thing. You ready? We on? Crackalacka, let's go. Um, Welcome to the podcast, Jared from Bucks Farm. You and Anne have been here for a long time. You've been here since you're 19. You bought this beautiful block of land under the under in the valley underneath Mount Warning at Chillingham. Yeah, um, it was a dairy farm and I was brought up in the village of Chillingham and I just had the opportunity to buy this farm when I was 19. Wow, how'd I, you save up before 19? Um, well, when I used to go to school, um, instead of playing around on school holidays, I'd make um, banana cases up. You'd make them in a wooden box. Yep, I remember. With nails. My family used to do the same thing, yeah. And um, I'd make 100 of them a day and then I'd get paid for that. So I banked the money and also I used to work for my uncle and my d- own dad that grew bananas mm. and we'd get paid um, 10 cents a blue bag. So most people on wages could only put a roughly 300 out a day. Well, I could do three up to 650 a day. So that's the blue bags that go over the top over of the bananas. Over bunch, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, did you have to put that little poison yeah, thing Yeah, we used to put well? a uh, case nail in through yeah. the blue bag yeah. into the stem. Yeah, I used to do yeah. that on Saturday morning. That was my job with my brother. Well, I did the same thing, yeah. but we're nearly the same age. I think you're 47. Um, <laughs> You'd have to tell me how old you are. Um, it is a real pleasure. You're a real character and you're, everyone knows you're around the area. Um, you set up the, the market stall down there and it was called something else, Banana something or other? Yes, Banana Cabana oh, because that's, that's right. how I sort of started in the yeah. game. I planted uh, my first patch of bananas when I was 16 on lease ground. Yeah. And the trouble, um, we had 45 banana growers in this little village of Chillingham back in them days. And the worst thing about leasing ground is that if you grow something really good, your lease runs out. Yeah. So you've got to move on. So that's why I bought the farm when I was 19 um, because I wanted to be a farmer but I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't want to be told I have to leave. Yeah, and you've been here for all those years and yeah. you still haven't left. That's good. So the soil around here must be absolutely amazing, yeah, from volcanoes 23 million years ago and, you know, leftover remains of Mount Warning. Yeah, well, that's probably the biggest um, asset I've got farming in Chillingham is our deep, rich, red volcanic soil. And um, a few years ago when I had Noma here, the restaurant yep. owners, yep. They, they've been to me farm about six times. Yep. And it was all about they wanted to know where the flavour comes from in everything they tried here. And they firmly believe it's our red soil. Definitely, yeah. I remember um, going to other farms and they'd pick up the soil and that's they'd be it. smelling at the soil because that's where you start. And, yeah, yeah on the way here... I was um, reminded of a childhood lesson, but do you know that, like the the story of the, the volcano? Obviously, you do. It's your farm, but how it was twenty three million years ago. But it started at Tweed, went all the way down to like Evans Head, and was super big. And that that bit that we can see now is just like the little core, the, core the plug. Part. Yeah. So it would have been like how many? How much higher it would have been? Well, I'm uh, not really yeah, sure. Yeah, on yeah. That side. Well, I reckon uh, at school it was like let's say ten. We'll have to look that up and put it in the notes. But it was like ten times bigger than what it actually is now, if not more. 
and that's just a little bit left over. So we're actually in the really, really good soil. So you decided to, so it was a cattle farm um, and then you decided to start growing tropical stuff. How did you actually get into the tropical side of things? Um, well, the finger limes I was stuff. brought up in the banana, uh, as a banana grower. And as soon as I bought the farm, I planted a thousand avocado trees, a thousand mango trees, and I planted 27 acres of ladyfinger bananas. And most of the banana growers around here, including my own dad, said, you can't grow ladyfingers here. Um, you don't produce enough per kilo. And uh, today, I'd say most of the bananas grown in Tweed are all ladyfingers. Yeah, right. Um, but I'm nearly totally out of bananas today because back in the 90s, I just started to swing into Davidson plums, lemon myrtle, and a lot of other bush foods. Yep. And, yeah, I've, I've always been interested, especially in the Australian native finger lime because they're native to my own property. And when I was a kid of about five or six, my parents would make me walk up and pick up the can of milk every day on this farm and... Um, I used to sneak out the back and break the finger lime and eat the finger lime while the cows were getting milked. Okay. So that's why I got interested in um, finger limes so quick. Yeah. It must have been a great childhood here with the creek and... Um, well, I just think it's unreal. Yeah. Um, personally, because um, outside of playing s sport, um, there's always something to do. And yeah. in our creek... We're got, um, a lot of people believe that us farmers pollute the creek. Well, I can prove that totally wrong because our creek here was full of platypus when I was a little kid and they're full of platypus today. Yeah, that's and, a good sign. And they, yes, they only live in crystal clear water. So you can see the farming industry around here hasn't upset the platypus. Um, our creeks are full of Australian bass full of mullet. I remember one Boxing Day, I caught um, 97 mullet on a Boxing <laughs> oh. Day and all of them were a big mullet out of our main creek. You weren't in watching the test? No, th this, <laughs> this is when I was probably about maybe seven years of age or eight. <laughs> okay, so before. Yeah, I could yeah. hardly pull them in. Yeah, right. But they were that thick in our creek. Yeah. But we had a secret to make them thick, so. <laughs> okay. You know, um, so you got a plant in all this beautiful tropical fruit. Started with like the finger limes native here, the the Davidson plums native to here. What else is native to to here? Uh, sandpaper fig. Yep. Oh yeah, the little uh, one. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got a, a couple black plums. Okay. Um, there's another. Um, there's quite a few other ones like in the area. There's Warrigal greens grow. Yep. Well, and well. they're all along the beach. I used to grow them on the farm. I used to bring them home when I'm out fishing yep. and uh, plant them and they grow, grow really well here. There's monkey nuts. Um, look, there's probably a lot more I just can't think of at the moment. But yeah. um, my farm is just full of, I think, eight or nine ryeberry lilipillies. Beautiful. Varieties. The gullies are just full of them. So it's 350 acres, is that right? Yeah, three, 350 to 400 acres of land. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Wow, it is absolutely paradise. So you've sold to, um, I mean, we'll get to the, some of the beautiful products that you make uh, yourself. We'll go through the, you've been supplying, so you said before, Renee Renzeppi and, and Noma when they came to Australia. Um, we were also supplying them. Uh, it was such a such a pleasure to work with those guys because they, you know, like you said, they really got into how it works. Who else? Um, who else? You're supplying that's super famous and, and wonderful. Who are the rock stars? Oh well, <laughs> you our, said Tatsuya was there. Yeah, Tatsuya. I've, I've supplied him for oh, forever, just about. Um, um, oh, we've we've supplied locally. Um, Ben Devlin. Oh, yeah. And he was at, Everyone's favourite. Yeah, at uh, Paper Daisy and now he's got his own place. Um, but down in Sydney and Victoria a few years ago, we were supplying a lot of the number one chefs. Yeah. You know, that win winning different awards and that. Yep. And, uh, but 
it's come down to the time where we just um, takes a lot of work to keep supplying those sort of, and things are changing a bit. So, yeah. um, you're like one of the worst kept secrets as far as things go because everyone wants your stuff, and, and I know that you've only got so much stuff and you've only got so many hours in a day. So, uh, I think everyone that gets your product should really, you know, appreciate how wonderful it is. So, thank you for, you know, the, the, the stuff that we get from you. Even though it's a big farm, there's, there's still lots of work for you guys to do. Um, Tell me about um, Ben Devlin. Let's talk about him, actually. He, he to me, is one of the Australia's best chefs and uh, he was probably half involved with the Noma stuff when they came because he introduced me to them as well, actually. Um, and uh, he is just – have you had – have you been eating – have you eaten his food that's been from here that he's cooked? Yes. So um, we went down to when he was the chef at um, Paper Daisy. Yep. Um, we haven't been uh, to his own one. Pippet, yep. Um, we're organising family to go there. Yeah. Uh, the week we had it, he closed down for a week to renovate the place, so we missed out on that one. I think that was around the time we did the podcast with him, wasn't it? He just finished renovating or something, yeah. So, okay. um, yeah, we, we can't wait to get there because um, it's just the amazing way and the... Um, Effort he puts in to get them flavours out of a leaf, mm. you know, like our strawberry gum or our lemon myrtle and all those things. You get that lemon scented gum. He, yeah. He, he he just puts a lot of effort into everything. He's like a scientist, isn't he? Well, but he's. His yeah. food is just so delicious. It is. It's, it's when you eat there, you can, everything, say if it was lemon myrtle in something, he puts the flavour of lemon myrtle in it, but it's not overpowering. Yep. Where I've tried to do the similar things in my time because I eat everything I grow. Yep. And I make it too strong, but you've got to get that balance and without any doubt um, he gets the balance. Yeah, he is, he is amazing. Anyway, yeah. everyone should go and learn from Ben. Um, what else? So you've got into a bit of, uh, you know, cosmetics. Is that what keeps you – that's why I think you look like you're 25 and – and is that is that the secret, the cosmetics? <laughs> no, it's not really. <laughs> no, no. Oh, you know, you've got to give them a plug, mate. No, Come no. on. It's, um, well, I eat finger limes every day. Right, yeah. And, um, yes, we extract our um, serum out of our finger limes, our um, um, Buddha's hands, uzu, the Japanese citrus I grow, and we've uh, turned it into these cosmetics that we've scientifically proven that they're high in vitamin C. So um, I just had to look for another way of um, uh, value value adding onto our farm for our seconds because a lot of the people, as you know, they want everything perfect. Mm. And um, so I decided, right, this is what we're going to do. But bef- before I even went into the cosmetic side of it, um, for my hobby, I've always been a beer drinker. And yes, I'm excited. I, I've turned to making beer roughly 20 years ago, 18, 20 years ago, before craft beers hit the, the, the place. We were doing it and it took me about seven years to um, get it to the uh, stage it is today. So you were drinking a lot of bad beer for a while? or Well, beer that wasn't quite... <laughs> Didn't didn't need finger limes in, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And so I'd hold a barbecue here, get all my mates out, and we'd drink a certain recipe of beer to go with the finger lime beer. And all I'd say to them is, "Is it any good?" Mm. And if it was okay, we'd give it a bit of a tick. If it was no good, we'd just try another one and then have another party in a month's time. Yeah, right. And we just kept going like that. And it took it took yeah, it'd be six to eight years to get where, um, again, it's about knowing how to make it still taste the beer, mm. a bit similar to what we, we said before about Ben Devlin. Mm. He knows how. So I wanted to keep the, the beer flavour but also the flavour of our um, produce that we put in the beer mm. to be there as well. And it didn't happen overnight. It just happened over through all my good mates and now they're saying to me they want a share of me 
Taken Zimmy beer sales. So where you said it's on tap somewhere, didn't you? Um, it's been sold in the Review Hotel in Moomba. Yep. Um, um, and Ben Devlin's um, own Pippet. Um, yep. He he's got always got the stubbies there in um, um, in his menus. Mm-hmm. And but the Review Hotel, they've got the three beers we make out of our citrus. Buddha hand. Buddha's hand. Finger lime. And oozy. Use it, use it. Yeah. Beautiful. So um, you gave me some and I have to say Buddha's hand my wife was in love with and you said the ladies like the Buddha hand one. I, I was just about to tell you how much I like it but then you said the ladies so I can't say that now because I think it'd be cool. But, um, yeah, no, the Buddha hand was delicious. The finger lime was amazing. That They were all cracking. Both, yeah. All those so can people buy them on at all? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, they can buy them through... At the moment, we're just gradually expanding slowly. Yep. Uh, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we might get into Byron Bay. Okay. And um, but we're in a couple other villages around here. Yep. Um, like my idea was at first to just put it in stubbies, and when people eat at a restaurant, they can try what really finger limes like as a drink. Mm. So you can buy the finger lime beer. But it's got to the stage now where we're being approached um, and we'll do it in this 12 months. Um, we'll get it into the bar and sell it as a over the bar. Beautiful. And, um, yeah, and see how it goes. So you and uh, Anne have been here forever, um, it feels like, but uh, I used to drive past here as a, as a little kid um, and I remember... I feel like I remember stopping here, um, but I can't be sure. But you would have been the first, like there's a couple along the road here now, so make sure you get to your one, Bucks Farm one. But um, so there's, that stall, the banana thing, that was how many years ago? Um, well, it's been down in that spot for roughly 47 years. So when That's you were... when I was 19, but I used to live down the end of the street yep. in Chillingham. Okay. And when my parents leased banana ground... They put a table up out the front and sell the bananas and watermelons and stuff like that. So yeah. as I was going to school, I could see what they were doing. Mm. But then uh, as soon as I bought my farm, I moved their house up onto my property and that's when we had the, the uh, where it is today. Yeah. So it's, it's been a long process. So tell me about some of the other products. You've had Calamondons, you've got uh, Bergamot, you've got Yuzu, you've got Buddha's Hand, uh, you've got um, all this citrus. Tell me about some of the other citruses that you've got. Um, well, the Calamondon is, um, it was pretty easy to know that we'd accept that one in Australia because it's a Filipino fruit. It's very sour, and the Filipino culture use it when it's green, which suits me down mm. because I can pick a green before <laughs> any animal wants to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's certain people only want them when they're coloured. Okay. So I, I've got a market for both. Yeah. And they crop here roughly 10 months of the year mm. in this climate. So I trialled a tree and now I just kept planting them. Yep. And I'll see how we go in the next couple of years. You sort of invented a new product, like the greener Mondon instead of the colour Mondon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, see. Sorry, I've called back. Yeah, times. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just that uh, when you get to know people uh, of different cultures and if you listen to what they really use in their country, mm. well, it will happen eventually here. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, as time goes so on. So that, that's coming. What are people using the uh, Buddha's hands for? Um, well, they have been used for a long range of things. Like people buy them off us. Um, the fl- flavour different dishes. Like they're supposed to put a smoother texture in your curry than what a kaffir lime fruit does. Okay, so you just cut the... That's the, so obviously all nearly all pith. Yeah. So is it is the inside and the outside, you use the whole thing? Is it not bitter not, on the inside? No, right. well, they mainly only use the outside of the Buddha's hand. Right, yeah. Where all the oil is. Okay. And that's where you get your flavour. Some people demand that they want them yellow because they say they get sweeter okay. when they go yellow. 
but it's when they're getting to their time, like all citrus, and they'll decay and they'll go yeah. away. So is that the same with the calamansi? Does it need to be, because I, I see them green on the on the trees now, just a few green ones. Mm. Do they have to go colour before or is it just much and much different uses? If I get fed income Filipino people, they want them when they're green. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they don't want them with much colour on. Great. It's like our pawpaws we grow here. The what, sorry? The, the pawpaw or the oh, papaya. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if we've got a, a papaya that's just putting a little bit of colour in, they don't want it. Mm. They need it dead green. Oh, so that's for their, like, their green, their green salads. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so and things that. like that. Yeah. And it's the same as we grow a lot of mangoes. Yeah. And... You got the um, Nandok Myers and all them? Or? Yeah, we got a few of them. Yep. I mainly went into the Bowen variety or Kensington oh, yeah. Pride. That's yep. the main one we grow. And um, But I can eat green mangoes now. Yeah. Because the people I've met over the years, they just slice them up, cut them, and they might put a bit of salt on them. Yeah. You eat them. It's like eating an apple. Yeah. Or they'll put a certain type of sauce on them. So it's a matter of just finding out who. Um, there's a market for both. Mm. So we went through the, the beautiful garden for a little walk this morning. We also saw the, the Davison plums. Tell us about the local ones and the not-so-local ones and how, the, how they grow on there. Yeah, well, the, the local ones that are native to me property, they're just around in the uh, deep gullies and that on the farm here. They grow straight up the stem of the tree like a telegraph pole mm. and the telegraph pole will be just full of fruit from right from the top right to one inch from the bottom mm. will be fruit. They crop around Christmas time Okay. in that time frame. The ones we're starting now around Easter um, and it'll go right through till probably November is the Queensland variety, North Queensland variety. They're a very tall tree but they have a bigger plum and uh, they crop like um, grapes hanging off a tree. Yeah, okay. On the stem. So the idea of bringing the Queensland variety in, so I've got Davison plums most of the year. Mm. Okay, that's a yeah. help. And um, what are people doing with Davison plum? Well, the main thing they have always done with them was to make a jam. Because mm, it's not sweet, is it? It's no. like a tart. I think a lot of people go, oh, it must be because it's so yeah. deep and red and full of beautiful antioxidants. It's got those That's do- right. dodgy hairs on the outside that you've got to yeah. clean off. If you find one on the ground, kids, make sure you wipe that hairy stuff off the outside because that's not going to be good. Um, but, yeah, mainly they are tart. I think everyone thinks plum, sees that delicious red colour mm. and all of a sudden goes, oh, this is not what I thought. Mm. So jams, do they add a lot of sugar or do they keep it they that do. beautiful sour? They no, do. They add lots yeah. of sugar. Yeah. Um, you add uh, a lot of sugar to them, but then they um, make a sauce out of it also. Okay. So I imagine it would be good with, like, duck and all sorts yeah. of things. Yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, uh, in the last probably five years, a lot more locals now um, are buying the Davidson plums to make their own jams or whatever. Yeah. And you can, yeah, rub them over um, like ducks or turkey, whatever. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Beautiful. So some of the other cool stuff we looked at this morning, which I know you've pretty much sold, sold all the crop already, but the lemon aspen. Tell us about... Tell us about lemon aspen and the fun stories there. Yeah, well, the lemon aspen um, only crops for a short time. Um, it's roughly right now, of this time of the year, for about six weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, they make a um, uh, a dessert out of it, you can. Um, you can also put it in drinks. Okay. So there's a number of things, but that's very citrus in the bush food things. Mm. Lemon aspen is, um, yeah, in that citrus family mm. of bush foods. Yeah. Um, they are cool. Everyone uh, who's anyone has always been chasing them. In fact, it was Ben Devlin years ago when he was at Esquire who was, was chasing them off you back then, I think. Um, what about the, the cinnamon myrtle? That's an amazing product as well. Well, we've got the aniseed myrtle. Okay. Um, a lemon did myrtle. Ah, uh, did and I see cinnamon? No. Yeah. I did? Okay. Yeah. I, and we, we grow the lemon myrtle and the aniseed oh, myrtle. Oh, okay. 
Yep. In the, the two males. Yep. Um, so the aniseeds, obviously, uh, very licorice as Scarlett pointed out before. Yeah. <laughs> um, delicious. Uh, what other leaves have we got? We got, you said the strawberry gum, the uh, lemon scented gum, uh, kaffir lime, uh, the myrtles. Any other leaves? Oh, curry leaf. Curry leaf, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, we, yeah. we pick a lot of curry leaf. Yeah, yeah. And we pick it fresh. Yep. And so everyone we supply virtually get it the next day. Yep. So it's not stored in the coal room and I've yep. got trees sort of planted all over the farm. Yep. So I can sort of, uh, a lot of the time we're going to always find some somewhere because in the wintertime a lot of people, the leaf sort of goes off mm. and it's not very good quality. Yep. But I've, um, up to now I've always got through with the amount of um, leaf I needed. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's... I've always looked at things that hopefully I can grow stuff most of the year so I don't let the restaurants or certain people down mm. that we can keep the supply up because yep. the worst thing, we we don't want people to be bringing um, stuff from overseas to fill that gap. Yeah. So I've, you know, I just try to... Uh, close that gap up as much as I can. Yeah, particularly with the leafy lines. I mean, citrus and everything, you've got to, you know, expect a season and celebrate that season. And same with the Davidson plums, really, even though you've got a couple of different varieties. A lot of things you can do with those foods is preserve them and, you know, ferment them and make them into oils or vinegars or whatever. So they're, they're such great products that they just have intensity that comes through all the different styles of cooking. So very lucky there. Um what else? Tell me about these. These we didn't really touch enough on the on your cosmetics that I thought made you so young. What what are the products there? You send them over to Japan or something? Yeah, Lots we're, of goods. we're in a uh, actually right at this moment in the next week or a fortnight. Uh, hopefully, we're going to get our range into Japan. Mm. Um, and it's a funny thing that one of the main fruits um, that. Um, Japan use is the yuzu fruit. Yes. And it's going to be come from Australia. Wow. So, but they're very interested in the, um, um, our Australian native finger line. Okay. It's the one that they're. So yuzu, tell me about what people are doing with yuzu as far as you know. Is there one, just only a few uses for that or is it, is everyone doing something a bit different? Uh, well, now they're doing a lot with the yuzu, but usually... Going back 20 years ago, we'd just supply a handful of Japanese restaurants yep. and they get the sharp knife and just take a peel off the yep. fruit yep. and it flavoured different dishes. Yeah. But um, now uh, they're putting nuzu in soap. They're, um, um, we make the yuzu beer. Mm. I've got a number of um, um, breweries that are talking about making a gin out of it. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. So I can see our market's going to open up mm. as, and most of the uh, breweries or doesn't matter if they're into kabucha or those other drink things, yep. they've got to come to me to get the supply because yeah. I've got the su supply. Yeah, and, and you sort of said that because there's only so many hours in a day that, you know, there's only so many sort of restaurants and you sort of almost cut back a little bit just to sort of maintain the high standard that you've got. Is that is that the case? Well, that's what I've done. And also um, when I've met uh, uh, your company that you're involved with, well... <laughs> Suncoast. Suncoast Fresh. <laughs> he knows us very well. Uh, <laughs> so about, you got to, it's got to be 30 years. We're only like 25 or something. <laughs> yeah, well, see, I've only met you in the last few years. Well, yeah. you're sort of the... The, the the business that we need so you can do a lot of my work yeah so I can grow it and I can concentrate on growing it without yeah. um, supplying so many restaurants because yeah. you've got the contacts and yeah. that's your job and I've yeah. always been a, a person that um, that I believe in that if I'm the grower I can look after what I grow and I know how to do it hopefully the best way and then you hand it to someone else that what business they got and they know the best way. Yeah. And it and it's good for the it economy. It works both ways. Yeah. And so um 
yeah, since I've met Graham, um, yourself, well, we just find it a little bit easier because I don't have to chase it to all these different places that yeah. used to ring me up and want half a kilo or something and, yeah, yeah. and then try to get it there. Yeah, yeah. So well, if you ever, you know, as you know, we, we drop off for you wherever and whenever because um, for me it's about celebrating this amazing products that grow in a place. You know, I, I grew up over the hill in Mullumbimby, you know, this red soil on your feet stuff is just gold and, I, and it does come through in the flavour. So to be able to celebrate the whole local beautiful thing but you keep avoiding the uh the, the bloody face cream question mate what's going on with that well, tell me tell me about that again well so how many products are there? there's there's stuff for um psoriasis there's dog wash there's yeah well they're the neem products okay. and that's what i use see i've been in well it goes back to the time when i was supplying a lot of these really good restaurants that i, I wanted to be chemical free mm. And it's very important for me to go to bed and know that somebody's going to eat my stuff tomorrow and it's not full of chemicals. Mm, and the platypus is so, so, yeah, and, well, I had to look at some other way of farming mm. and Neem eventually done the trick. Tell us about Neem. I don't know ne- if ne- anyone actually knows about Neem. Well, Neem is an Indian tree and it comes from India and over in India they eat the leaf for good health. Well, I actually eat the leaf. Oh, no, I can't say that. You've got to take it as a herb tea. Okay. Um, and it's for your good health. Beautiful. So then we found out that you could spray it on your crops. Oh. So we trialled putting pure neem seed oil on so many trees and still grow um, using other ways of farming. Yep. And after a period of um, three months... Um, Wherever we use the neem sprays, they were free of um, insects and that. Wow. But it takes longer to work because it's not a chemical. It okay. doesn't knock the, the bugs straight on the ground dead. Mm. So as time goes on and we, when we spray it on our crops, we spray it to run on, runs onto the ground and creates earthworms. Mm. So when it's a drought on and we get a little bit of rain, our water can get into the trees better, where instead of being just real hard and it'd run off. Mm. So, you know, over the years I just was, um, just wanted to be able to say, well, we've sold whatever it was um, to a restaurant and I don't have to worry about chemicals Mm. because I think that over the years um, our whole culture has been getting far too many chemicals or different things into their body mm. what we're not probably we shouldn't, shouldn't be. be. Yeah. Well, they say that um, I heard the statistics on f- men's fertility is can right down due to the chemicals in food. So mm. they reckon that we could be, it was on uh, the 7.30 report or whatever it was, uh, the project, and they were talking about it being down and like in 50 years' time it could be super, super low. So that could be the whole end of a species but let's not go there that could but yeah let's chem, less chemicals definitely better for people i think um you know and i, I and i do say with genuine compliment that you die you look you both look so young to, and um i do think it's got to do with this beautiful air that you breathe and this, this beautiful produce and the ground i notice you walk around barefoot and you know you're just in touch with the land so i i think it's a real privilege that you that you have to, that you've had this place but it's also a lot of hard work tell me about some of the the challenges like what has it been one of the biggest challenges that you've had and that you've had to overcome and how you did that probably the, well well turning to what we just finished talking about was the sprays yeah so i'll fix that problem okay great um it doesn't do at 100%, so there's still we have some problems, but I've got that well under control. Um, and a lot of bush foods also don't need yeah, because nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a great move. Mm. Um, they're very um, low-maintenance sort of. Um, our, probably our biggest challenge we've had, without it, any doubt, is all the protected animals we've got okay. in farming. Like 
on my small property, and I'm not exaggerating one bush turkey, but we would have 400 to 450 on our property. Different species. Of wild turkeys. Oh. Bush turkeys. That's what lives on my property. So that's one acre. (laughs) Yeah. And um, when I tell people that I walked up along a line of 15 mango trees and I got to 130 and I stopped counting... They camp in our mango trees yep. and they take the bark off the trees and if you walk up there in the morning or come down my when you go around my farm, yeah, there's nothing to see like 30, 50 turkeys just walking over the road. Yeah. So they use my farm as a food base. Okay. So I used to grow cassava. Yeah. I used to grow taro and a reasonable amount of it. Well, we can't grow any of them anymore, mm. not on my farm, um, because the turkeys, when we put mesh all around them, they tunnel out from the mesh and dig a hole underneath the mesh into they till they get the cassava. <laughs> and they've destroyed an acre of my taro in three days as the taro got big and it started to come out of the ground on top. They picked it. And then when I come back in three days, it was just like someone took a rotary hoe right through the patch. Wasn't one thing left. Tell me what you said when you saw that. Uh, I wouldn't have swore. <laughs> I would have said, well, I think I'd better go and have another cart and a beer or something. <laughs> Drink some more yuzu, bro. Yeah. Tell me about the fight with the koala bears over the uh, <laughs> trying to get the leaves. That's, <laughs> you know, well, well, I hear it all the time that there's no koalas left in Australia and the Tweed Valley. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, they're like blades of grass around the Tweed <laughs> b- Valley. And um, I've got a lot of gum trees on my property yep. at the back of the farm. And over the years, people want strawberry gum and the lemon centre and gum. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got these small trees of the um, strawberry gum. Well, I found out that they the koalas definitely like it. Okay. <laughs> and... I went to pick some there uh, late last year and you could see the big chop mark out of each side of the the, the strawberry gum, yeah. nice, fresh, good strawberry gum, mm. and they're sitting up in the tree looking at me <laughs> saying, we've already eaten them. <laughs> we've already harvested this patch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe move down a little bit. There's that disgusting lemon-scented yeah. gum. Pick that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we – but, you know, that's one of my favourites. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but nature works in a funny way because I've always loved my koalas and um, they've been here on the farm forever. And we've sent um, the Queensland University last year, went up and had a look at the hammonies on the back of the farm and mm. seen how healthy they were. And um, he was surprised. He thought he'd come to an area where there was none. Okay. And uh, they're on each side of the road from my little village of Chillingham, uh, right to Narang. Beautiful. So it's great to know we've got all this great area here where yeah, that's they live. And, you know, for some reason people think that you can just walk outside and see them. Mm. That's not the case. Yeah. They're very selective where they are and um, they move around on the full moon night. Okay, so um, two nights ago, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've um, noticed over... The years I've been here, um, that if you travel on a full moon night on the road is when you see them. Mm. You know, and I've seen three on the side of the road in a group having a fight and pulled yeah. up and had a look at it myself. Yeah. Because um, I take a lot of interest in my wildlife. Yeah. So and the, I, when I'm working on the farm, I don't actually go around looking for koalas. Yeah. I just hear them grunting in the tree yeah. and I go, where's that one? Yeah. And I'll look up and here they are maybe yeah. trying to mate or something. Yeah, they're pretty noisy when they do yeah, that. Yeah, they yeah. do. They do. They make a hell of a lot of noise. <laughs> they so. a celebration. Yeah, so hey? well, I said to my wife one day, I might come back as a choir. That's awesome. Okay. Um, Yeah, no, they are very noisy. Um, Platypus, you're telling me about the beautiful platypus that's near your house. Um, That's obviously something to celebrate as well um, with the the chemicals and the stuff. So Yeah, well, it's a great uh, um, 
we just happen to have 15 grandchildren. And just, one of the first. Where are they? I thought they'd be picking the limes. Well, they do. They help me a lot. <laughs> um, most of them go to school. You know. <laughs> you bloody school. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it's great to have the, the platypus in the creek. And what I do is, as soon as the, um, our grandchildren get big enough, I just want to show them a platypus. Mm. So I go around to the house. I always take one by himself. Yeah, nice and, and then I walk down and I say, look, we're looking for a platypus, right? So I take him down to the creek and I see him coming up the creek and I say, just now, don't move. As soon as they see you, they go down and that'll be the end of it. Mm. Or I take them fishing with me and they'll see him when we're fishing. Mm. And it's just fantastic to be able to take my grandkids out and eventually show them a platypus. And uh, the last one I took down... I said to him, here comes the platypus, and, of course, it was probably 15 feet in front of us in the creek, and, of course, he wanted to get closer to it. Mm. Well, he, in his rush and excitement, he mm. fell over a root, hit the ground, and the platypus went down. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see it for the rest of the hour. <laughs> I'd try and look for it again. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, I just think it's great. Yeah. Well, my son, Jared, one of his earliest memories ever is me showing him a platypus, um, and that was um, down in Victoria somewhere, um, coming up on some, some road. We stopped and had a little picnic, and I saw a platypus, and, he, and I spoke to him about it recently, and he goes, he goes, I was waiting for you to say that, but I, he remembers that. So that must be awesome for your grandkids to be able to come out here and experience that sort yeah, of thing. And, it, and because you've been protecting the wildlife in with you, you know, like that must have been a, a moral dilemma there for a while, like it's poison or what can I do? And then you've found this way. It's it's really yeah. You know, admiring. Yeah. You, you won, what other animals? Tell me any other animals that we could talk about? Talk about turkeys, koalas, platypus, and fish. Uh, oh, the goannas. Oh, the goannas, yeah. The goannas are everywhere. Yep, snakes. Um, oh, snakes. Don't talk about snakes here. <laughs> I shouldn't talk about snakes because no one will ever come here. <laughs> we're, we're yeah, got, yeah. Um, we lost our best dog through a death adder. Yeah, okay. The, the first night I moved into my house, um, I, I've got twins first up, a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. So we moved into our new house and um, she wanted a doll out of a, one of the boxes we hadn't bought in, and I said, go out on the veranda. Well, she come back and she said, Dad, there's a snake out there, and I walked out, and here's a deaf adder right at the box. Mm. Um, and then my favourite dog, all the Kelpies I've ha- owned on the property, mm. um, I happened to be at a meeting one night, and a deaf adder come into the garage, and my dog put his paw on it, and it grabbed him on the front leg, and he was dead in seven minutes. Wow. Um, yeah, we've been chased by um, tiger snakes. We've got tiger snakes here. Mm. He struck at me front wheel of me Land Cruiser. Mm. Um, and we've had people, um, you know, on the where I live, um, the traffic stopped to see, like, the big carpet snake swallowing a possum. Mm. Um, our farm's full of sugar gliders. Um, if you know what a sugar glider is. Yep. Um, beautiful little animal. Yeah. Um, they like getting into the ladyfinger bunches of bananas yep. underneath and then their little claws rip the inside of the bananas. So when you get a ladyfinger bunch and you hand it off, you'll see these little mark scratches. Mm. Um, any, so, any green tree stakes? Yeah, actually, um, I hope you want to go to the toilet sometime today but there was one at least four foot in our toilet here. Really? Yeah, the other uh, morning oh, I come around yeah, okay. and we call it a dunny but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah, it just happened to be a big green fellow and I know what he was doing in there. It's part of the living on the farm here. We've got more green frogs here on this property than we have blades of grass mm. and I've had problems with our toilet uh, system over there in the last quite a few months. I've um, moved 10 green frogs and they've been around the toilet system. So the uh, green uh, tree snake, he's gone in there to have himself a feed. Feed of frogs. Yeah. Must be French. So, yeah, probably is. (laughs) I've um, supplied a bunch of bananas, like the whole bunch, and it's come to my shed, came to Sam's shed in Byron, then came up to the Brisbane shed, then we delivered it to the restaurant 
and it was sitting on display on the thing and someone said, I think there's a snake in there. So <laughs> a snake, they could see a snake wrapped around the yeah. stem of no. the banana bunch. They do. And, um, <laughs> and they, they rang us up and I said, well, we're in the snake guy and we rang the snake guy and got it. And they actually took him from Brisbane back to Byron, the snake, to put it, release it back next to the next door farm. I said, he would have been straight back in the next bunch for next yeah. week. Yeah, well, I have a lot of trouble with the possums. I've yeah. got eight possums just lately and I take them um, and let them out on the side of the road between here and Brisbane. <laughs> really? Yeah, because I took one out the back of the farm only uh, probably 18 months ago. Yeah. I actually um, had a big um, thing on here at, um, on the farm and I didn't have time to head over in the Queensland to let a, a possum go over there. Mm. So I drove to the longest part of my farm, let him out, and I got the same possum within um, a day and a half. Yeah, they're very territorial. In, in they Bri- come back. He nearly Bri- followed me. I think he hitchhiked a ride <laughs> in my four-wheel drive back to me shed. I um, I remember uh, a story. There's a possum creek down here, Byron, and uh, some lady rings up and goes, oh, I've got so many possums. Can you come and remove the possums? The guy goes, no worries. What's your address? And he goes, oh, Possum Creek's road. <laughs> <laughs> and he wonder. But, yeah, they don't take them very far because apparently they're very, uh, you know, territorial and don't really do too well too far away so they they only take them and then like you said they're back in no they time they come back yeah it's a good and, business you though. know i'm trying to grow stuff yeah so <laughs> i can't have them eating me stuff yeah so um my way is just relocate them yeah that's good and that's what i've been doing mm. um, yeah and i you know i've relocated i don't know how many hundred wild turkeys <laughs> bush turkeys what do they taste like i put them in a corn bag <laughs> <laughs> I take them or let them go. Um, tell me about, I don't know if you might not want to talk about this, um, the time you found all that marijuana at the back, is that, is that allowed to be yeah. talked about? Yeah, don't worry, mate. <laughs> don't worry, mate. I the stuff you didn't plant. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've learned a fair bit about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell yeah. us about that. Um, well, one occasion I could tell you many stories <laughs> what we've done. There's not one. There's a mountain of them actually. But we live in an area where there's a lot of the people that are inclined to like that type of plant. <laughs> and uh, Obviously so, for pharmaceutical benefits, yeah. So, yeah, well, you know, a lot of them have got back in pain trouble and talk very slow. So um, they use the marker on our farm. So they've one bloke, he walked about a good probably half a mile um, and used a big dead tree as the marker. And they move around at night time in the full moon. So they walk around the property. Them and the koalas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably running into them. And, um, yeah, so they, that's what they do. Um, an, uh, another group, um, they planted a heap um, near our dam on top of the farm and there was lantana all around it. So they built a tunnel at the back of it and climbed on their stomach to plant all this marijuana in this big bunch of lantana. Mm. And uh, I had a bloke um, slashing on my farm because I don't get time, so I hire someone. And he thought, well, I'll finish it here and um, come back tomorrow. So he just said, oh, I'll push part of this lantana out. And he was in one group, it was 380 nice plants of marijuana. Wow. And he come down and he said, oh, come across your marijuana, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they were using this high-class fertiliser and all this type of thing. Yeah, right. But um, we've found it also in pots. Yeah. And the police have come out and uh, just threw the pots down the hill and grabbed them and we found another bunch, had all uh, green netting all over top of it. Uh, that's the best thing I've probably done over the years. I went home. Got some uh, hormone, um, the really good hormone that they will, will not survive, and I got diesel. I sprayed the bo- bottom of every um, marijuana plant, mm. and they were probably around six foot high, mm. quite a few thousand dollars worth. Yeah. Well, when the blokes come back to harvest it, all this marijuana was dead. <laughs> so people come onto your farm and yeah. sneak. And yeah, plant marijuana. Yeah, because yeah. it's not on their property, so it's you know, like in theory, Jared get would get busted. But, yeah, right. yeah, but the police know Jared well enough. Well, see, at the back of my property, 
I don't know how many thousand plants were found. Um, wow. They had um, um, uh, white boxes and they spray painted them the foam boxes all brown and had all the seedlings all planted and there was a hell of a lot of marijuana plants and then they walked onto my property, a area where I don't go very often, and they had tracks all through it with cuttings into the trees, farrows. They were ready to plant it. Wow. And uh, the, the police come out here with a helicopter and a plane and they look for it. Mm. And I just tell them, yeah, I think you better hammer the back part of my property. Mm. I've got suspicions that there could be some up there mm. and they find it by the, the helicopter. Mm. And uh, then I've got to go in and have a look at it and all this type of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, so. Is that the secret why you look so young? No, no. <laughs> Just the uh, yet. I, finger line. I still reckon it's eating finger lines, yeah, okay. high in vitamin C. Yeah, yeah. And now I nudge the beer too, so, yeah. you know, between that, yeah. Nice. you got a beautiful, lovely life out here and people can come out and have a little walk around and buy some stuff from the from the store. you got all the stuff that you sell into Japan. you got it available in your little store here um, and that's where they'll find Anne mainly. Um... What else can you tell us about the place, mate? Because I think we might have covered most of the stuff. But um... uh, well, there's there's a couple of little things I like doing, um, and one is um, educating our next generation. Great, let's talk about um, that. And it's about the true facts of of the way things are, um, because I can see if we keep believing people that have got no scientific proof or things about what us farmers do to the land mm. because that's why I like doing schools. Mm. I like showing them what a Davidson plum is or a finger lime and t- tell them that our wildlife, we want that here. Mm. So it's sort of educating our children mm. um, because I've had a group here where a couple of girls were crying because the media today seems to be... Um, putting the fear into our generation Mm. and it's not right Um, because I don't know of any farmers that want to destroy our land. Mm. We're always the opposite Mm. because in my case personally, I'm not far off um, looking after this land 50 years Mm. now um, and I want to produce the best that we can grow and I want to be able to go out and look at wildlife. Mm. So, but people in the city seem to think we destroy everything and it's that, great to be able to have the children. Yeah, here. yeah. I hope that that's, you know, not the case, but I know that it, it is and probably a little bit more on probably bigger farms where, you know, maybe. Uh, but, yeah, you, you, um, yeah, you're definitely not doing that, which is, which is great. And I think that's why, you know, once again, the soil, the farming practices, dare I say it, the energy of the place is, is amazing. So, um, you know, we, we were, Scarlett and I were driving out here today and, you know, the air's different, you know, like everything's just, just amazing. I know that you duck up to Brisbane every now and again and it must be such a, a welcome home when you get here of just to get out of the car and breathe the, the different air because I see you in Brisbane every now and again. You're running around like a chook with your head cut off because you can't wait to get back, I imagine. But, <laughs> yeah, um, well, it is uh, great to see the turn off at Narang yeah. and know I'm <laughs> going back to the greatest state in Australia. Now <laughs> <laughs> that state of origin. You know. <laughs> You're so, a Roosters fan too, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah mad yeah. Roosters. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's great and... You talk about different things um, by living here and having groups here. Just recently, actually it was in the last week, I um, had a group here. They were uncontrollable children. They couldn't go get to go to school. Mm. Uh, the group comes from in the Tweed Eds area. Mm. And um, they had the army cadet or army um, people here to keep an eye on them. Mm. Most of and, them end up working in the markets, don't they? And, uh, I'm not <laughs> real sure. But anyway, uh, the army blokes were here and they said to me, look, if a fight breaks out, you know, we're here to stop it. And I said, oh, yeah. So we had a, a little thing like Master Chef. Mm. Went and educated them around the garden, come back, split them up in two groups and cooked. Well, uh, and then we had to judge it. 
you know, who was the best group. Well, only just the other day, one of those blokes come into me business and told me that he remembers, he said, I've been here, I was in that group, remember? He said how good it was. Mm. So my point is that not everyone is likes going to schools. They should be, like, I probably talked to someone that day that wasn't going to school and he could become the best chef in Australia. Yeah. Or work with people in a kitchen mm. um, on that day. And I just thought when he went, I thought, wasn't it great that that bloke come back and told me? Yeah. And I feel like I'm doing something. Yeah, mm. you are. So, um, yeah, they're only little things. Mm. They're the things that we need to be done. That must be really, really inspiring you know. for you. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. an education system. <laughs> yeah, I'd, look, I definitely think it should be in the, uh, uh, that every child um, uh, should go to a farm. I don't care where the farm is. Maybe learn how sheep, people run a sheep farm or mm. other farms and see where their real food comes from. Mm. It should be in the system. Yeah, and, um, with, with no with no, in that. no barriers, like this is how this happens. Yeah, so like I, up till the last 18 months, I do um, quite a few schools on the Gold Coast. Mm. And they're private schools and they come here for that reason, to show mm. people what it's really like. Mm. And uh, when people get here and they can see different insects and and that, hopefully they'll leave with a different way of thinking about us farmers instead of destroying everything. Mm. You know, it's, um, yeah, we're not, to a lot of people, people definitely think that us farmers destroy everything. And it's not the way it is. No. Well, it's not. We've got to make it living. Yeah. And we're not going in the right direction because when a family like myself and I've got a cousin of mine that's got eight in the family and I've got five and all our children are not going to farm, our whole system is broken down. Mm. And there's one thing that the government and the people have missed, you cannot make a farmer. A Mm. farmer is, it's got to be in you. Mm. Um, I've good as proven that because councils and different groups have had field days in the area trying to get people to grow their own stuff. Well, 99% of them all come to me Mm. and say whatever they've done hasn't worked. Mm. So, and a lot of them all gone back to the city. So that means... They can't hack it. Yeah. And you've got to be able to take it. You yeah. know, you've got to be able to take, like I love having droughts. I like it when it's flooding. Mm. I like it when it's cold. And I mean excessively cold. Um, because we've got to have that. Mm. That's part of farming. But we seem to be told today that we've got to have it, everything just to be perfect. That's not like what it's like on the farm, you know. It's not always like in life either. Yeah. And, and I think that a little bit of that, you know, that's why there's good times and bad times and, you know, like you said, cold and wet and dry. If you don't, you know, understand that as it's happening, like you, you know, I think like you said, when you live on the land, you understand what the frost brings on the sweetness of the citrus or, the, right. or whatever it might be. When you've got an understanding of it, you can wake up with appreciation instead yeah. of complaining about it just being too cold and I have to get another pair of Ugg boots or something. But, um, yeah, it must be that, – that's that's a really good way. And I do believe you as well. When you talk about the education system, I, I do think that it definitely should be a part of it. I know that's what you've basically got here. You've got this big barn that we're sitting here in the moment uh, with, you know, what is there, 100 seats here or something? There must be a lot of seats yeah, here. and we sit roughly 100. Yeah, and um, lots of um, – Green and all the all the trees around the place and the finger limes and the citrus and and I know there's obviously like you said there's 400 more acres and 400 
bush turkeys to, to find and a million koala bears and some platypus. So being out here is a beautiful education and I agree with you. I think that everyone should be doing a lot more of that. And the same with for us, like I said to you prior to this, I said I want to drag a heap of chefs here. And and once again, it just in touches them because they're in those kitchens working their ass off in those hot, sweaty places under maximum pressure to be every meal has to be perfect and mm. on time and all the rest. There's a lot of demands on those guys and the mental health problems that, that occur from that. Yeah. I think I think even being a chef, I believe that one day should be spent in a garden or on a farm just touching base back with nature and that is probably what some of the better chefs you said you had um, – Jason out here the other day, um, you know, th- when you get it back in touch with the land and the feeling of it and the air, then you're actually better at your work. You know, they've proven that again and again and again with where people work in the city. Where that's, that's why they're doing green walls and green gardens and as much as they can trying to drag the bush into the city mm. so people can actually just smell a fern. You know, we've spoken about ferns with Yoast and, um, yeah, so I think you're dead right, mate, and um, you're doing some really, really good work here. And I hope that you um, can... And uh, make sure, you know, I, I, you're pretty much famous on the wall down there. I've never seen so many newspaper clippings. Everyone knows who you are. Uh, and you've won delicious produce awards and, and all sorts of things. Um, are you going to, are you going to, have you written a book? Um, I've been in a couple of books. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, um, but I haven't I think written you, it personally. I think your philosophy now, I know you're stuck for time, and that's what this podcast is about, is we're able to tell a bit of your story. Now, this is locked in forever. We've got what you say, your grandchildren will be able to listen to this and your grandchildren's children will be able to listen to this. So anything else you want to tell me while that pressure's on you? (laughs) (laughs) Notice I haven't said one thing about my wife. (laughs) (laughs) No, you definitely have. You have. But there's one thing I've got to tell you (laughs) that um, as a farmer, um, and it probably happens in all businesses, to be successful you've got to have definitely a good wife. Yeah. Because... um, we do get hammered by a lot of different ways, things that happen. Um, like, we, you know, I, I remember sometimes when we've had a big, huge mango crop and I said to my wife, well, this year we'll buy a new lounge and something else and something else. As soon as we pick all these mangoes, well, within 10 minutes when the clouds come rolling over Mount Warning and it's full of hail, Mm. There goes goodbye one mango <laughs> crop. Yeah, so yeah. then I just say, well, we're going to do it next year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, things like that. Yeah. And, um, you two are a real yeah. team. I can really see So, that. and she understands that. Yeah. She And lucky, I was a bit lucky that her parents come from um, um, out near the other side of Yukai, Commissioner's Creek area, Doon Doon, where the dam is on the Tweed. And she was brought up on a banana farm out there. Right. So... Um, they trained her for you. See, yeah, they started to. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's something that I've been blessed with uh, to have been behind what I do. Yeah, yeah, she um, is um, your rock, I can tell, and I'm she, glad you said that. Yeah, no, well, she could have probably left me plenty of times. <laughs> but she's hanging in, so, um, and the next one is I've got to make a decision when I'd like to retire. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, so we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, well, we look forward to hearing about that yeah. and, and what the future is for you both. Tell me about the name Buck. Everyone thinks your name's Buck. Um, yeah. And tell me tell me that funny story you told well, me. Well, <laughs> it's um, our surname's Buchanan. So in the Buchanan, my dad was, they called him Old Buck. So they called me Buck. And then I've got... Uh, three other bro- brothers, well, they're called Bucky and Young Buck, and then it goes down in our children's thing, like one of my brother's boys is called 50 cents <laughs> and half a dollar, <laughs> and it just goes down <laughs> through the <laughs> thing. So that's what it is. It's yeah. just a short for a Buchanan, yeah. and we end up with this thing. So when you hear this... You know, name yelled out sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it all started from the Buchanan name and yep. people shorten things up. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, so I haven't got the old buck. Yeah. You've just, just got buck. I think you got the best one, eh? <laughs> yeah, so I'm hanging in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, well, that's good. That um, because I, I I often for a while I thought that Buck was your name, and I was like, um, and then when I found out it was Jared, I felt a little bit like silly almost. But then now I've realised you answer to both, and um, yeah, you know who you are. Yeah. You know who, and people yell out Buck. They're probably more than likely buying something real cheap or uh, <laughs> or uh, saying good day to you. Yeah, no, it's um, yeah. Well, I sort of had to change even the name of the farm. Yeah, because we were the Banana Cabana when I first bought it and and that. But because everyone knew me for as Buck, mm. people were getting in Mawollombar, Mul- which is the biggest town near Chillingham, mm. and saying, look, can you tell where? Tell me where this Buck lives? They're going, never heard of him. <laughs> I know where Jerry Buchanan lived. No. And they go, oh, we, you know, and they go, oh, well, Buck, and then, you know. Yeah. So most people know me as Buck, so we just changed our whole name to be Buck's Farm mm. because of that reason. It was getting a bit confusing, and uh, and you're just out here trying to make a buck. Yeah, and I, I, uh, I like it when different cultures try to say Buck and an Anne pretty fast. <laughs> Give me some examples. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some some cultures sort of can't say it right. Yeah, right so yeah. it comes out a different way. Yeah, okay. Yes, but um, and sometimes I have to pick myself up off the concrete floor <laughs> just laughing about what they just said. Uh, so, you know, you've got to look on the funny side of a lot of things. Yeah, oh, it's such an important ingredient. We talk about it all the time at work. If we're not having fun then you're not living. And, you know, even hearing your voice on the on the phone when I rang it to tell you I was going to be late, um, you know, you're telling me about the car racing days and you, yeah. your, your energy through the phone was just joy and happiness and I know that about you. You actually can come across quite serious sometimes and I'm like, who's this bloke? And uh, then all of a sudden you pull out these stories and, and we're all on the ground laughing. Yeah, those car stories are true though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're they? true. What I was the record you. from here to back when people were slightly more irresponsible and young? Yeah, well, not see, now. I wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking here if I bought the cars I tried to. Yeah. See, that's... I had enough money to pay cash for a brand-new GDR XU1 yeah. and I had enough money to pay cash for a racing car. I was going on the racetrack. Nice. And I was a, I bought my first car when I was not even 16 okay. and paid cash for it. So um, we're But there's no, ca- there's no cash on the premises, guys. <laughs> no, this area was um, a car sort of area. We all had race like hotted up um, Cooper S's. Ford Falcon, HOs, mm. and the Tirana setup or Holdens. Wow. So my brother was a motor mechanic. He worked on the racetrack down at Surface Paradise. My uncles were mixed up in the um, uh, fast cars and things. So I was going to do the similar thing. Mm. But um, unfortunate, um, one day that this farmer wanted to sell, sell the farm, and I heard it and I heard what he said to me, Dad, that he was going to sell the farm. And I just happened to run into the bank manager that day and mm. and um, I never got any of my cars. <laughs> I ended up with this farm. <laughs> so I think that's probably the best. Yeah, so. I think it worked out well. So, yeah, that's the way it is. Yeah. Well, I'm sure your grandchildren are very proud of you, your kids and, and, and your wife of what you've, what you've managed to achieve here. And I can't wait to, um, you know, bring a horde of chefs here to educate and uh, inspire as well. So, yeah, um, yeah I'll keep writing little notes down because you, you make me think of things, but I think, I think that's covered. I think we should go and have a beer, mate. Well, it would be real good if I had a hell of a lot in the cold room. <laughs> Do you know that most people come here for a beer? They're here not just for one hour. <laughs> we do them in kegs, you know. Well, we'll right. have to bring the bus later down. <laughs> Mate, thank you for being a part of our little yeah. podcast. You've been inspiring. You've been one of the best podcasts we've done. Thank you very, very much. And I uh, can't wait to get this story out. So yeah. thank you. No, thanks, Graham. And thanks to Suncoast. Thank it's you. It's great.